Hello and welcome to Who Uses a Director of Football, an FM podcast with myself, Lewis, and my co-host, Tom. So, Tom, back in back in the boxes again this week with the, the two black lines around the top and bottom. Does it, reflecting on last week's in-person, do you think it enhanced the podcast or do you think, you know what, I'm better in, in, in my cage? I enjoyed it last week. I enjoyed it uh, face-to-face. Like you said, it was a bit different, but I'm very happy to have a bit of distance between us between us this time. Um, yes, yeah, as much as I enjoyed it in person, I feel like I can actually now look at my screens, actually reflect a little bit better on what happened in the save in my last week. Yeah, Although, it's... as nice as it was, Lewis, to look into your gorgeous... I'm not even sure if they're brown or blue. That says how much I was paying attention. But your lovely eyes, uh, I, I do miss that as well. Well, there we go. I'm glad I could offer something last week, apart from hospitality and food, etc. But no, you know, it'll have to be my eyes, actually. So, the big question after last week's bombshell, Thomas, are you... Ma- have you managed to make it through another episode while managing the same club? Obviously, I don't really want the answer, <laughs> but I do want an update from from the Chilean second division. I get it's the first time in I get to gloat and look down at you from on high and my perch in the first division. I know, right? Yeah. Well, well um, yes. Have I managed to keep a job in the space of a week? I mean, uh, in in this FM save, I mean that is says a lot about. Uh, the, the job I've done in this save onto my fourth job already. Um, well, I'll leave that as a bit of a, a cliffhanger because I won't give you all my details. I won't bring you quite up to date uh, as to where I am now in my first little update. Um, but where, where you left me last week, Lou, was I'd made it to the playoffs or in the Chilean uh, second division. And I just played the first game of the playoffs, which was a 2-0 win over to Portes La Serena. So I'll talk you a little bit through that that playoff campaign, however long or short it was. So we we went into the second leg of the Deportes La Serena game with a healthy 2-0 lead. Um, And I'll be totally honest with you, there weren't many scares in the second leg. We we, we won 3-2. At one point we were 2-1 down, so it was a little scary, but we were were only 2-1 down for a a brief spell. Um, And then we, we... Brought it back to two all and then took the lead to make it three two. On me, so yeah, I mean, uh, quite comfortably made it then through to the semi final. Uh, as a reminder for those, the way that the Chile Chile uh, playoff works in second division, sec- team that comes second automatically qualifies for the final, and then every team below, all the uh, four teams below, qualify for. Um, the quarterfinals, they'll play each other. Winners of those go through to semi and then eventually play the team that came second. So you are at a bit of a disadvantage um, not finishing second, which is probably fair. Uh, so the next round, uh, which is then the semi-final, was in a two-legged affair against Deportes Santa Cruz. Drew one all there. Um, Lotoro Palacios got our goal, who was our, our main man, our main man up front. Well, he was one of my two best players. Both my best players were my centre forwards. And I was I played with one up front, which and that, that sounds a bit silly, but the formation I was playing, it just the way I wanted to play, uh, 
just suits playing one up front. I don't really, I've never really got two strikers to work on FM. I didn't want to start now. So Latoura Palacios scored, who actually, you, Lou, you had a little look at after we finished the pod last I week did, with person, and you said he was, you were quite impressed with him. Um, Looking tasty. So how, was, was he the older one or is he the regen? No, he's the older one. He's the older one. The, the younger one is Carlos Pascunian. Um Latoura Palacios is the older one, but he'd already signed a pre-contract with Everton de la Mar. Mm. Uh, in the top in the top flight, so I knew I was, I was losing at the end of the season. But you know, for the reasons I've said of Carlos Pascunian basically being my second best player or joint first, um, I wasn't too worried that he was going. It just meant that Pascunian would, would definitely be leading the line. So we drew one all there with Palacios scoring in the first half, and then they scored in the second. So we then took it to the second leg, um, and Bas- and, and Palacios. I'm trying to think back. I'm pretty sure he picked up a knock in training. Um, and so he wasn't fully fit. So I had to start Basquiat. I decided to start Bascunian in the second leg. And that worked out really well because we won the game 2-0. Felipe Aguilar, another one of my youth uh, intake regens, scoring and, and then Bascunian getting one later. I touched on this last episode. I, I cannot believe like how good the players yeah. are that this youth academy bring through. I've never had it where... And I'll, you know, I'll talk a little bit later about my, the way my squad is at the moment, but really probably at least two, maybe even three of my best players have all come through the Youth Academy. That's just this, phenomenal, this, so isn't good. it? It's so helpful. So uh, Aguilar, who's come through the Academy, and Buscanyan made it 2-0. So we therefore went through uh, 3-1 on aggregate to the playoff final. Now, this was always going to be where it was going to get really difficult because we've been playing... Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, um, and weren't fully fit at all going into the final. Whereas the team we were playing, uh, Deportes, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation. I think I've been pretty good at some of the pronunciation so far, but Deportes Iquique, Iquique. I've gone for a Chicho. A Chicho, right? I'll go with a Chicho. No, that's fine. I think that sounds a bit better than mine. So Deportes, a Chicho, uh, were waiting for us in the final, and. Uh, we won 3-1 in the first leg, a Carlos Buscinian, uh hat-trick. So my wow. my striker, a hat-trick in a playoff final um, first leg, make person to winning 3-1 in that first leg. And it, it's, it's always difficult, right? When you're 3-1 up in the first leg, especially such a big match, how do you yeah. go into that second leg? Do you play a bit more cautiously? Do you think, right, no, this we're playing goddess here, we're going to carry on. Uh, I went with the latter and I thought, right, we're going to carry on playing the way we've been playing and hope that works for us. And within 25 minutes, we were 2-0 up. Oh. Uh, two goals from Carlos Bascunian. You're teasing me. You teased me. Yeah, I was. We, Carlos Bascunian scoring them both. And that's the way it finished. It finished 2-0. Finished two so we, we won the playoff final, 5-1 on aggregate. All of the goals scored by Carlos Bascunian. And we made it to the top flight. So I am, after getting the boot from Santiago Morning <laughs> a mere six months before, I then yeah. managed to take Ordax Italiano back to the top flight. So Ordax Italiano back to the top hey, flight. Mambo. But much more importantly, so is Par Jackson. <laughs> Par Jackson back in the top flight where he belongs. Oh, fantastic. Yes. That's been the song that... that... I've been, I've been that has popped into my head since last week. Hey, Mambo, 
Oh, Dags Italiano. Hey, Mambo. I just... <laughs> I it, it. We've had despair. We've had jubilation. We've had... It feels like with your save every week... I mean, you're a talky fan, but your save is the most talky save in terms of you're either getting promoted or relegated. There's a there's a very you know there seems to be no or well or sacked, but but not relegated, but sacked or or promoted. There seems to be very little uh, middle ground, and that's sort of reflective of your talky fandom, isn't it? A club which sort of is either going in the right or the wrong direction, but very rarely standing still. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. Very little mid-table mediocrity, which I think Par Jackson probably needs right now for his for his heart rate. And, and as you say, a lot of Talk United fans would take a lot of mid-table mediocrity every now and again. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I'm at. That was the end of, well, that was the end of that season. I've obviously progressed a bit since then. So I'll, I'll talk you through some transfers and what's happened mm. in my first season back in the top flight with all that Italiano. But before I do that, let's let's stay in the this well, I don't know how long we'll be staying in the second division actually, <laughs> based on based on how well Arturo Fernandez Vial were doing last year, or based on what um Renzo Rivero's decided to do with his career. Has he decided to hang around? Well, let's not wait any longer. Lewis, take it away, my son. Yes, and I've realized as I like, unexpectedly anyway. Uh, I will carry on and pretend that nothing happened. So, um, the so the big question for me, really, and you kind of got a sense of this in in my introduction, uh, where I kind of lost track of where I was, the point I was telling the story from, was that the question remaining wasn't whether we'd win the league, as I as as I mentioned in the last podcast, we were on fifty three points. And the last two winners had won it on 53 and 56 points. So if we blew it from there, it would be uh, one of the biggest failings, I think, in my FM career. So the big question for me going into the end of the season wasn't whether we'd win the league. And, you know, I unexpectedly got a bit carried away at the start of the podcast and, and kind of gave the game away on that. So... Let, I think you know we what, say- I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't remember that. I remember you saying, "Join me." That oh no, yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, I, I was about to say you, you said join division. me in the second division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you said looking, said down. looking down yeah, the top it. division. So I, so I've given the game away on whether we got promoted or not. But that wasn't really the thing that motivated me towards the end of the season. Go, Tom, go for it. I think, I think, I think giving it away that you're going to get promoted was probably last, last week's episode when you'd won 15 on the spin or whatever. I mean, yeah, you know, we've, we probably haven't, or probably more from my side, we probably haven't showed off um, our class at this game <laughs> to people <laughs> listening to show that we're already good. But I think that would have been a whole new level for you not to get promoted after yeah. the start you'd had. Yeah, I think there's it, it didn't have a great deal of dramatic tension as to whether or not I get promoted. So the big question for me, and this is how good a season it was, was would Mamini break the all-time Chilean second division goal-scoring record? What was the record at beforehand? 36 goals in 30 games. It had stood... I was going to say, that is nuts. And it... And it and and this record was in 1979, so it was a real world record. 
this record still stands to this day. Rivermar Batista, 36 goals for Independiente de Cacuanes. Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, at that point, you know, the record had been around for a long time. So, as a kind like of... It's not competing in my save either. It's phenomenal, isn't it? What an unbelievable yeah. record. So, we found... So, the big thing I'd already given away, we found out we were promoted uh, on Sunday, the 22nd of September. And the budgets, well, the bit we always love, what are we going to be able to spend? What am I going to be able to, you know, what am I going to be able to pay people? And what am I going to be able to, who am I going to be able to buy it? And so the budgets were sent at 26k a week and 131k for transfers. So it's not a lot, but my budget was, I, I was spending 10k a week on players. That's how cheap our players were. Um, so we won the league when Cobraloa lost 2 1 to Magalens and handed us the title. So it wasn't, it's a shame that we didn't get to win it with us kicking the ball. But we had five leagues games. We had five games left to play with the league guaranteed one on 63 points. So it's pretty good. Oh, pretty, I was pretty good. happy. I mean, it's it one of the best FM seasons I've ever had. Just glorious. So at this point, I thought after months of negotiation and I went back and forth, I really went back and forth with the board on this. But after months of negotiation, I finally signed a new contract to 2026. Very nice. New deal signed on the 4th of October. However, I made sure that I wanted to get a managerial compensation, get out as, get out as cheaply as possible clause. So, so Renzo... But I went really hardball on this, you know, rejecting contracts. I'd reject first time on FM that I'd ever rejected a contract multiple times, or I think possibly at all. You know, I because I was always doing one club saves, it wasn't, it was very rare that I rejected a contract. So 30% compensation for a managerial role is what I got them down to. I took a bit less in wages to, to have that opportunity so that. Even at the start of the contract, the two-year contract, I could have been bought out of the contract for 26K, which, you know, most clubs in Chile could afford. So, and finally, a day later than that, I convinced the board to let me do a national sea licence. So he's finally... This was going to be my question. This was going to be my question, right? Because this was one of the... They wouldn't let you do any qualifications before, but you sound like they finally let you study yeah they finally let him study and improve himself he's only taken them from near certain relegation to promotion to the top division but it really is about and as i said in my notes it's about bloody time considering that my goalkeeping coach has a continental a license and one of the scouts has a national a license and there's Renzo leading the club to its glorious future with no qualifications and not even a national C license to his names. Whilst whilst the goalkeeper coach is leading the sessions and he's just sort of telling Renzo where to put the cones and whose bibs or not. Yeah. And Renzo's just sort of smiling and, and waving his arms frantically. So yeah. It he's was making the... sure that the subs are collected at the end of training. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was 
It was a pretty good run-in. So, as I said, we found out that Cobrasal handed us the title when they lost 2-1 to Magalhães. So we had a few games left. So we have five games left after that. And it starts with a one-all draw in which... In which, uh, in which Mamini Mamini Cooper doesn't score. How many how many goals does he need at this point, Lou? Remind, remind me. So I'd say at this point, to equal the record, he needs to equal the record. He needs four. So he's got thirty-two in about twenty-seven games. So to equal it, he needs four. So the man has done a good job, and then. And his, his form had dipped off a bit. Like he'd had some good games. He'd had a couple of a couple of braces, but not not anything massive. So he and he'd been consistent throughout the season. So the running was two 0 against that team again, Deportes Porto's Chique, uh, and he scores one. So we're at thirty three. So I'm thinking, you know what? Four games left. He needs a goal a game to break it. So then we beat Cobrasal 2-1. He gets a goal. And then against Union San Felipe, he gets a brace. And at this point, I'm thinking, we've got we've got a chance here. So then we lose to Cobrasal. And I'm thinking, okay, he literally is tied with the record. So going into the last game of the season, he needs one goal. And in the last game of the season, we win 1-0 against Rangers de Talca at home. And we w- and he scores in the 88th minute to get the oh. Ch- to get the to get the record for the Chilean second division goal scorer. And I've never seen Tom, I've never had a season like it. For his level, he is the best. Like he's he's a joke of a player. Like he is the best all-round low league goal scorer I've ever had, and his game is—I've said Harland might even be Lewandowski, like just the purest of pure goal scorers. So, are you suggesting? Are you suggesting by saying that that you think? Sorry to go off topic. That you think Lewandowski is better than Harland? Well, not anymore, but I think as I think Levin, I think Harland's got more of a creative element to his game, whereas I don't think Lewandowski has much of a creative side to his game. I'm not sure either of them do. I think they're quite similar. Maybe I'm being... Anyway, I don't know. We've gone off topic. We've gone off topic. But we've gone off topic because we're still talking about elite goal scorers in their divisions. Indeed. And that brings us right back to Ivo Mamini Cooper. Yeah. So, uh, Ivo Mamini Cooper, what a player. What a name. What a player. What a guy. I just... I just want to. I just feel like I'm building, like you know, in Naples they have that like shrine to Maradona that just sits in the corner. They've got all of these pictures of him. I feel like by the end of this save, like this room will just be uh, filled with like little pictures of Mamini Cooper with like love hearts round for for firing me to 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 league victories. But anyway, so. So he was the top goal scorer for that season. Unsurprisingly, club record goal scorer. No, I think those things kind of follow suit. He won second division player of the year for breaking an nice. all-time record. 
had the most player of the matches in league histories as well with 10. And his stat line ended 30 appearances, 37 goals. And this is my favourite bit, no assists. 37 <laughs> goals, zero assists, 10 player of the matches, average rating 7.68. What a player. It's like, it's like if he's playing FIFA, his X button on the PlayStation is is broken, but Circle is 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 firing every single <laughs> every time he gets the ball. Every time. And what a player! Like just the most ridiculous season that I've ever managed for a player who who got a six point two in four games in, at the back end of last season to give me the best best goal scoring season I've ever had. At, Lower league, you know, matching Dweebner Juventus for my all-time great seasons from a single player. Just incredible. So so the title was wrapped up. And then from a manager... So I'll jump into a little bit before I, I talk about the transfer window. I just want to talk about a couple of things that really I didn't expect to happen. So, so three big clubs have underachieved. Um, across South America. So I thought, well, you know what? There's no better time. There's no better time to put my CV out there and apply for a, for a few jobs. So Colo Colo underachieved and finished in fourth. Another very big club and one close to your heart that I thought you would have been a little bit miffed if... If uh, I got the job out, Corinthians got relegated to the Brazilian second division. They've, they've been relegated to the Brazilian second division in my game as well. Unbelievable. I think they've just got promoted again. Did you go in for it? Did you put in an application? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I never applied, never applied for it. It did and... come up, but I didn't apply for it. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready just yet. <laughs> you weren't ready. You didn't think it was the right time. Fair enough. No. And Internacional finished 15th in the Brazilian Serie A. So I thought, you know what? Stick an application in. Don't ask, don't get. So stick an application in. The two Brazilian clubs told them to shove it. But Colo Colo say, you know what? We think you're one of our top candidates. And, you know, my brain starts flying, I think. Am I, am I going to win two titles back to back? Like, am I going to get, you know, am I going to be able to jump up from the second division? To the to the top division, but also massively upgrade the club. Well, well, Lou, Lou, I'm just just thinking in terms of the attention here. Is that a good place to pause it and then come back to me? I'll talk a little bit about my Ab- season and a transfer window, and then we can come back to you on the on the cliffhanger of have you did he stay or did he go? And then we can hear about the the season and the transfers that you've made uh, either with. Colo Colo or with Arturo Fernandez Vial. Absolutely, go for it, mate. There we go. We've got used to, we've got used to this making people carry on and listen for longer than they wanted to. Um <laughs> that's the plan. Um exactly. Um okay, so back back to um Audax Italiano. So I've obviously got promoted in our transfer transfer window. Lost my, one of my main men, my strikers, uh, in Lotorio Palacios. But again, like I said, not too concerned because Bascunian can genuinely pick up pick up the pieces there. 
the formation I was playing, I think I touched on it last time, it's changed from the, I guess, the 4-1-4-1 I was playing before. And it's now back three, two wing-backs, two centre midfielders, two attacking midfielders and a striker. So I needed to bring in players that would sort of of fit that system. This was the first proper transfer window I had to to do that. And I was really pleased with with how it went. Um, I touched last time that on Paolo's situation, obviously he wanted to bring him back to the club. He had a release clause in his contract, but was wanted by Porto. Mm. Um, and I'll t- I'll, once I've given you the list of players I've signed, I'll touch on, on what's happened to Paolo and where he now plays, because he no longer plays for Santiago Morning. Uh, but it might not be where you expect. It might not be where you expect them to be. It certainly isn't Porto. Um, so the signs we made, signs a better goalkeeper, goalkeeper that I really wanted. Well, not really wanted, just one that was better than I've, mm. I've got. I found it a real struggle, actually, signing goalkeepers in, in whichever club I've been at. I've always had to sort of just deal and settle with probably a three-star goalkeeper. Um, mm. And I've, I've done the same here with Bayron Martinez. When tried to go the same strategy as I had at Santiago Morning by signing some really, really good under-21 foreign players, because I think that's the key to success in this division. So a fantastic right wing-back called Emiliano Castro. He's he looked really good, uh, and he has been very good for me in the seasons, the games I've played so far this season. Despite signing young players, I wanted to sign a couple of bruisers as well. You need those, so I've got a ball-winning midfielder from Argentina, one of my um, uh, foreign players uh, that's registered called Ignacio Antonio. He's good. He's just a he's a bit of a bruiser. Um, and I spent some money signing. Basically, he's thirty-one, so I've, I've got a player to come in. To compete with him, but I know probably in two years he'll replace him, which is Hugo Salazar, a young uh, young player from Chile. So he's really he's he's good. I then signed again another number ten who was good from Chile, um, thirty years old, but got him on a free. He's been one of my best players actually so far this season. A guy called Ivan Ledesma. I, I really enjoyed playing with him. Like that man. And then two centre backs, two young foreign centre backs, one Brazilian called Hal Eduardo from Palmeiras for 40 grand. And then I signed Luis Mercado, Colombian player from Bogota. I spent 600 grand on him. Uh, so that took, took my total um, transfer spend to 1.2 million. Um, um, I, I had a budget of 2 million. And um, Paolo's uh, minimum free release cause was 800 grand. So I had the money in the bank and I went back to him and he didn't quite want as much money as he wanted before. He wanted a lot of money, but not quite as much as before. Could I stretch to get him in? Of course I could. (laughs) He's back. He's back. (laughs) I've got Paolo back. He follows me wherever I go. I couldn't (laughs) let him go to Porto. I couldn't let him go to Europe. He has to stay with me, and I've got him back. I re- I used I triggered his release course, eight hundred grand. I paid him. He wanted to start with like seven or eight grand, and I couldn't afford it. No way. But when oh I went back about a month later, he wanted three to four grand, and he's my top earner by a bit. But I just had to bring him back, Lou. And Paolo <laughs> is back where he belongs with me. Did he? I take it he was barely playing still because of the lack of attacking midfielders in their system. Yeah, well, they've been playing a flat four four two, Santiago Morning, and he can play centre midfield quite well. Um, in fact, I might try and play him a bit there for me um, this season. 
uh, as the season goes on. Uh, so, but he wasn't play, he wasn't even playing in one of their two centre midfield slots. God knows why. Um, but yeah, even even if he was, there's nothing they could do about him because I clearly very cleverly, not that I didn't miss it and didn't realise that I'd done it, but put a release clause <laughs> in his contract for 800 grand. And he's got a release clause in this contract too, but that's because he's demanded it. Um, but yeah, I just, I was so never, pleased never, never when he dropped, when he dropped his wage. Yeah, when he dropped his wage re- um, re- request from like seven grand, which I just couldn't have done, to three three to four. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's my. I think my second highest earner is on one thousand and something, but he's he's on three thousand one hundred. Pay um, the man; he's worth it. He's... I mean, he's the man who's already after half a season's labour won the Chilean top division player of the year. So, yeah, uh, was that is that Chile or Uruguay that he did he did that? No, I think it was. I think it was Chile. I think you're right. You did. You did win the Chile. He kept you up season one with Santiago Morning yeah, on the back. It was. Yeah, it was. I, I couldn't remember if that was in Ch- that was at Chero, but no, you're right. That was at Uruguay. He, yeah, he's won this his league's top uh, player of the year in half, half a season. season. Yeah. I just won. So, yeah, he's 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 back and playing. Um, so I'll, I'll talk you through a little bit about how the seasons mm. the seasons gone. Actually, before I uh, I do touch on or start to talk you through my season so far, I did get the chronologic the the order of which uh, I told my signings uh, slightly slightly miscued. I wanted to keep the suspense about Paolo going for as long as possible, but as you can probably expect, he was actually my very first transfer of the summer. He was the first player I brought in. I couldn't be without him any longer. Uh, so I had to just bring him in. And I'm That's unbelievable, so Tom. Are you suggesting the player that would have cost the most in wages and in transfer budget was the person you sought to get done first, so you had enough to bring them in? <laughs> I needed to make sure, Lou. I couldn't risk if he changed his mind and I didn't have enough cash. I had to do it early. So yeah, he he did, he was he's been with me the longest and yeah it was great to to, to reunite. You shocked um, me. You shocked me. I know, I know. So right. So basically, I'll talk you through how the season's gone. I'm, I'm halfway through this season, so I'm on game fifteen out of thirty, and it's it's, it's well. Let me let me talk, let me talk you through it. So we started off with a the first five games, uh, the first six games were quite frustrating. Really, we drew the first game one all. Against Palestino, the, the team we came up with, they scored in the 90th minute. We then beat um, uh, Huachi, Huachipato, who are quite a good side in the in, in the top flight. My mates beat them like one me a lot of good players, particularly Claudio Torres. Very thankful. Yeah, for they're, they're a good side. And then we went for the next four. We didn't win a game. We drew one all with Cobrasal. We lost three 0 to Colo Colo. We drew one all with Union San Felipe. And we drew nil nil with Everton Del Mar, but the, the the what I found frustrating about these games was similarly to what happened at Santiago Morning. We won pretty much all of them on XG, even when we lost three nil to Colo Colo. I'm pretty sure. In fact, I'll, I'll open it now. But I'm pretty sure we were very close to them on the XG. In fact, yeah, we, we beat them on XG. They had one point two five goals, expected goals. We had one point five four, and we lost three nil. So it was like it was. A, I was thinking. Deja vu, this isn't going to happen again, surely. Well, I'm beating, I'm comfortably being better than teams. Yeah. Creating better chances. Yeah, I'm losing the game. Um, and I thought, oh, this, please tell me this isn't going to end the same way. But thankfully, it, thankfully it hasn't. We, we've then gone on a run since those first six um, where we've been unbeaten oh, uh, for the rest of the season so far. 
Um, and it's we, almost we like that would have happened last season if they'd have let you keep your job. I, I did think that. I did think that. We've won five. We've drawn four. Uh, so we're not. We're not. Uh, we're not sort of dominating teams again. But we're we're not losing. We're yeah. getting results we deserve. We're moving up the table. We're so solid at the back. We mm. went on a run of four clean sheets in a row. Uh, bar that three nil defeat to Colo Colo, um, we've conceded one, two, three, four, five, six. We've conceded eight goals all season in those fifteen games. Nice. Bar if you exclude three nil, obviously if you include that, still conceding eleven goals in fifteen games is pretty good. Which is very unlike me. I'm more normally a bit more on the front foot. We'll outscore you. Yeah. But seemingly this year, not quite so much. You know um, whose tactics I mean, they sound like. Uh, it's a bit Renzo-like, isn't it? It's really? a bit Renzo, isn't it? What, what's been quite nice is we've our goals are coming from different areas of the pitch. So Ivan Ledesma scored a fair few, which is great. Um, we've had Marlon Vladovsky, who is basically my... He's, he's a really good striker and he's... If he's not a striker, he's a winger. Because I've got Carlos Boscuña and he can't play up front, I no longer play with wingers, so I'm sort of retraining him to be number 10. And he's scoring, he's, he's, he's doing really well there. And he's, again, a young kid that came through the mm. youth academy, surprise, surprise. And he's doing a really good job in number 10, scoring scoring plenty of goals. Uh, Boscuña was actually quite quiet until the second half of the season. Having said that, in the last four games, he's scored six goals. Yeah. Um, which is obviously good. So he's hitting form. You know, he's hitting form at the right time of the season. Yeah. Um, so he, he's done a really good job. And, and you know, the amount of goals we've conceded this season, it won't surprise you to know that my best players uh, with the best average rating have been my three centre-backs. Uh, Sebastian Valdez, uh, an Argentinian that I brought in last season on a free transfer. He's kept his role in the team. He's, he's doing really well. Stepped up to the level well. Yeah, he's done really well. Luis Mercado, the centre-back I brought in from Bogota, mm. he's been fantastic. And Felipe Torres, who I think possibly the best player in the team alongside uh, Bascuñan, centre-half, came through the Youth Academy. He's been very, very good as well. Um, it's interesting. Because, it's interesting because obviously last season, you, I felt like with Santiago Morning, you went for attackers. This season, you've clearly learned from the, the the pain of last season, and you've just gone out and got all of the decent centre backs you can get your hand on. <laughs> that is literally it. I mean, li- really, the only attacking player I brought in was Paolo. Um, yeah. I've brought in some good wing backs, some good centre midfielders, but ball winners, deep line playmakers. Paolo is the only one I've brought in there because we've got some good attacking options already. But yeah, I, I did I did tighten up at the back a bit. Emiliano Castro, the right wing back's done a good job. Left wing back, I'm not very happy. We've got Pedro Silva Torrejon, who plays their most. He's leaving in the season. And I do want to sign another left wing back. There's one I've got my eye on now the transfer window's just opened, but it might be a bit too much. So I might stick with Torrejon for the rest of the season and just focus on that in the summer. Um, so he's playing well. Yeah, Bascunian up front's doing a great job. Both my centre fielders are doing well. And what I quite like is we have a rotation really in the in the ten positions. Anyone can really play there. So uh, Paolo plays obviously quite a lot. Obviously Marlon Vladovsky plays there. Um, who else have we got that will play there? Uh, um, uh, Ivan Ledesma plays there quite a bit. Obviously he's he's been really impressive for us. And I've signed some young players that can come in as well. 
oh, before I say that, um, Diego Montecino, who was came in literally last year's youth academy, played some games in the second division. He can play there, has done and done really and has done really well. There's another fella who plays there for me, who does really well. Who I can't, oh, Felipe Aguilar, because he's injured at the moment. He's been he's really good. Another youth mm. academy player. He plays in the ten quite a lot. He's possibly the most reliable for me at the moment. But I also signed a couple of young players. Daniel Bueno from Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Um, I like him. He's my first European player of the save. I think I'm pretty. Is he, is he South American by origin, or is he Spanish? Or no, he is Spanish. He's born in Madrid. Spanish born in Madrid. Daniel Bueno. Um, wow. He's done. He he scored because I think that's kind of becomes. It's weird right? how the European players have become exotic. I had the same thought of like, who can I yeah, get from? Who can I get from Europe? Was there anyone out there who might? You know, but but so far I've not really had anyone who who's really I've been like thinking. You know what? I really need to get them in. But it's interesting. An Irish cent- an Irish centre half came up on my uh, scout mm. report, and I was I just wanted to sign him because I was like, oh wow, we can have an Irishman out mm. in Chile. How cool that! Be? It's like totally the opposite mm. to the to what you'd normally do. Yeah, with, uh, yeah. Record. Well, I mean, to shame you weren't managing O'Higgins, that would have been perfect, wouldn't it? An Irish, <laughs> yeah. an Irishman at O'Higgins in the Chilean top division would have been cracking. Well, I have stuff. thought I should probably go out and try and sign an Italian based on the fact that I'm Audax Italiano, but yeah. uh, none no one's really come up. But yeah, I should, if you're O'Higgins. That should be a rule. If any of us manage O'Higgins during this save, <laughs> we have to sign an Irishman. Um, sounds good to me. But yeah, well, he... I, one thing I want to touch on, Tom, before you move on, and we don't do this often in the pod, but I'm genuinely interested from my perspective. It's funny, you mentioned you're bad at setting up two striker systems. I have always been terrible. At, and I've, as I've told you probably multiple times over the year, the formation I really want to make work in FM is a Christmas tree, a four-three-two-one. But I never get any joy. So what have you? What have you done with two attacking midfielders that have made that system work? What do you think? What do you think the secret is to making it work? So for me, it's all about creating space for them because it can get really congested. So the way I like to see it is, I and you need width in order to have. It sounds silly, but in order to have those two narrow players, yeah. in order to create space for them, you need width, which is kind of my first formation worked really well with the two wide men because I had them on stay wide. You know, they were hugging the touchline. They were wingers on support. So they were always an option. So what would happen mm. then is the wingbacks or fullbacks would get dragged out to have yeah, to mark yeah. them. They'd have a centre-half would generally have, obviously, a centre-forward to to keep their eye on, which would create channels of space yeah. for the attacking midfielders. And I just I have them both an attacking midfielder attack. I don't want them I don't want them to do anything fancy when they get the ball. I just want them to run in almost in straight lines in yeah. those channels yeah. that are created by their defense being pulled. Yeah, it makes so sense. So they can just run it. So so that's what I did in the last formation. It's a bit more obvious. This one I've I've got my wing backs on complete wing back attacks to basically do the same role. Um, Stretch the pitch. Almost like yeah. as decoys, because I don't really want them putting in balls and doing anything too fancy. They're almost operating as decoys to stretch the back four or, or back five, back three of the other team, which gives those attacking midfielders a bit of space. That's the way it should work. Yeah, no, so basically, yeah, so you're attacking midfielders workers. Yeah, shadow strikers. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's the kind of play you could play on the wing as a winger cutting inside, as an inside forward kind of 
Salah and Salah and Mane esque, but actually you're just starting them more narrow and just having them attack those channels. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's something I could certainly learn from if I do ever try and go that way with my with my systems. It's good fun, and I've started playing. I actually we touched this a couple of weeks ago, Lou. I'm always a 2D player. I've always played on 2D. Mm, yeah, yeah. But recently yeah. in FM, really during this save, I started playing a bit more 3D once I got 3D on sideline. So I could get get used to, once I get used to my tactic, I can then watch it. I've actually yeah. gone back to playing 2D again uh, because once I sort of implemented this new tactic, I wanted to see how it was working. And I, I much prefer it again because what's great is when you see a centre back or a full back being moved out of position by almost these decoy runs that your wing backs yeah, are making, yeah. or getting dragged off by a striker, and you just see the space opening up for your two tens and two D, it's oh, God, you know. But it's sad what gets us going in life, isn't it, Lou? But it's great. Yeah, it really power, is for you. It's yeah, it's funny, and I think that's possibly maybe our approach to 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 FM. Is that for me? It's very much about the player fits and the human side of it, and I'm not so fussed about what my tactics are doing as long as I've got a sense, maybe a bit Mourinho-esque, that the the group is gelling and we're moving in the right direction, and I've got the right pieces. I don't. I'm not so fussed about the minutiae of the attacking game, but it's interesting that you're very much the you know the Guardiola kind of every move is planned to the millimetre and they want your players to sort of enact your system on the pitch. I think it's interesting, well, a different mentality. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, well, funnily enough, the first formation is is definitely based on, you know, the one that I've can now is definitely based on Guardiola. Those two inverted wing-backs. Mm. He sort of does it a bit more this year with just one and he'll play a, a flat-back three with two supporting, mainly Rico Lewis at the moment. Uh, whereas I was playing it a bit more aggressively and I was putting both my wing backs in there to support my holding midfielder, which is probably where I went wrong. But uh, but yeah, any anyhow, um this new formation working well, but with the same philosophy of getting those two attacking midfielders channels and space to either score or, or square it across to Buskinian. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, with with all the games I've played, how it's going, yeah, I'm really pleased with the season uh, as I've, I've sort of brought you up to speed now. We're sixth in the league out of 16, 15 games played, 26 points. And in the, I keep wanting to say this every time, in the European places, we're in the continental places, um, qualification. So where are you currently? And actually, we're only, say again? Where are you currently in the league? We're sixth, but we're only three points off second. Um, we are, and we are seven points off top, but they play the game extra. So I don't think we're going to, we're not in, contention to win the league uh, good. I think we're in a really good spot where we could finish in around sixth uh, where we are at the moment I'm going. pleased to report as well I'm just ahead of Santiago Morning they've, had, <laughs> they've been really good but oh, they, the, what annoys me is they've been really good because obviously they've got all these fantastic young players that I signed for them yeah. it's and who Franco are now Medina. maturing into, into great first team players Exactly. The other thing is they're, they're going to hit a problem soon, whereby um, they're going to those players are going to hit twenty one and they're going to have registration problems. But someone like Franco Medina is going to be theirs for a while. He's brilliant. I just had a little look at their team now. Lotoro Rizzo, who's a guy that I signed, he's now wanted by Porto. Funnily enough, so maybe 
they might get the the run the, the run to the litter and getting Rizzo over Paolo. <laughs> um, well, as long yeah. as you get your own, you don't mind, so you're happy. Exactly, they can have him. They can have him. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm really look. I, I'm really enjoying. And again, I, I said this when I was managing Santiago morning two episodes ago, and look where it got me. But I'm really enjoying currently the stability of Audax Italiano, players I brought in, how I think we will probably work as a team, hopefully for a few more seasons. And I, I'm excited as what to what I can do here with the players I've got and the direction we're going in. So, look, really positive first season in the top flight. And I'm looking forward to see, genuinely seeing where this season finishes because we could finish bottom half still. We could finish near the top of the table. Yeah. Um, so a, a really important 15 games games for me. Right. Absolutely. Lewis, we need to hear now how your interview at Colo Colo went on and what happened next. So I think for Renzo, I gave the most, like, being nice to the board, you know, promising achievement, promising everything. So... You know what? It, Renzo went for that job aggressively. And yet again, the answer came back. No, we're not interested. We've picked another candidate. No. So, what? So, so no matter how hard he tries, Renzo and Fernandez Vial, Arturo Fernandez Vial, are tied at the hip. So that obviously takes us into the transfer window. And the transfer window was, how can I put it? It was compared to the previous year's transfer window where everything was done ahead of time. This transfer window was a bit of a mess, I think, if I'm being honest. It, it was, was it one of those where you've got targets, you go after them, you're not quite sure, could you maybe get better? You play the waiting game and it doesn't quite pan out or... Yeah, I'd say somewhere between, yeah, a bit better than not panning out completely, but not a great window. So the key thing was that I actually spent some money for the first time that was more than 5.5k for Jaime Soto, who I brought in in January permanently for 5.5k. Well, not January, the the Chilean equivalent of January. It's really hard to get your head out of your guess. June, I think, in in it doesn't quite make sense, but in 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 European football terms, the January window. So I spent some money. So I spent one hundred and fifty five k, which for Fernandez Vial had to you know give a bit of the wage budget towards towards, but ultimately we were never going to spend our wage budget, and he, and we haven't obviously I'll, I'll give that secret away we're not we're not even close to spending the wage budget because there are just not enough good Chileans out there who are not already at the clubs in the top division so we brought in Christopher Medina our right back our, our lower league Trent Alexander-Arnold we actually paid Universidad Católica 155k which you this know is the what? guy you had on loan last year right yeah yeah so he wasn't going to get playing time and you know what? For us, cracking for that amount of money, we can afford it. I wouldn't have wanted to run to more than three hundred k. So to get it for half that, pretty solid. So I spent about one hundred and fifty five k on him. I brought in Carlo Villanueva from Deportes Recoleta for forty five k, and he's to rotate with Lionel Bucker. So 
that there's a bit more of a, there's rotation in in the cam position yeah. and a bit of quality and then a couple of really uh good free signings actually there's one sad bit of news and 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 it was really hard for me to do but i did release teddy at the end of his contract oh poor lad i know i just he he'll find himself he'll find himself he'll get there but teddy had to be let go there was a time to grow up and you've got to let go of your childhood toys and and letting go of teddy was one of those steps just the apart from a brief stint uh in the middle of the his first season in the second division where he woke up when we moved briefly to a 4-3-3 and he played quite well apart from that he was pretty bang average so you he there was an obvious replacement who was a massive upgrade so I brought in Fermin Antonini on a free and he'd been playing in the Argentinian second division started his career with Sarmiento in the top tier of Argentina dropped down with them and then moved to a different club uh, in the Chilean, uh, not Chilean, in the Argentinian second division. And he's just really solid. Just that kind of player. Bit more defensive, bit of a better defender, bit less bit less uh, physical, bit of a better defender, bit more of an intelligent player, but just a, and a bit more mentally savvy as a player, but just a really solid back of midfield, second midfielder type player. So kind of the sort of second midfielder in a three, or he can play at the back of a three, or so that just a great player to kind of fill in that role. And then a couple of other key signings were Christian. Oh, sorry, not Christian. Gary Tello, Gary Tello. Gary. I, yeah, Gary Tello, who I picked up from. Santiago Wanderers. He'd not been playing for them. 32-year-old. It's funny because you keep going for young players, but I seem to be picking up all these sort of 30-year-olds and 32-year-olds. He just sort of... I was going to say, I've just I've just searched for Gary Teller in my database and he's a scout now in mine. He's <laughs> <laughs> not even playing. Yeah, so Gary, I've picked up that I reckon I'm getting this season and if I get anything out of him next season... Well, anyway, I'll I'll touch upon that. But Gary Tello is just good rotation for Caddy Barone. I, th- I think for me at this point, and I'm sure you feel the same way, if I get, a- apart from your amazing crop of Chilean youth players, which I'm so jealous of, if I get a competent Chilean player in the transfer market who is at least comparable to the foreign player who is probably better in that position... I'm that that's what I'm t- that's a win. If I get a squad yeah. rotation level player who is Chilean, I'm like, great. You know what? I'll take it. This is as good this is as good as it gets for me. A Chilean Gary rotation. Player. Is that for you? He is one hundred percent that player. Rotation is he, caliber. Is he, is he still with his wife, Donna? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm here all week. Yeah, I know, Christ. <laughs> I wish you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple uh, more signings, which were 
more along the vein of your strategy. So I needed, as I talked about before, with Claudio Torres, one, I couldn't get him back from Huchapiato. He was great last season uh, in that right-wing position, but I knew he was, wasn't was going to hit the under-21 threshold anyway. So even though he was Chilean, I still needed an under-21 player to play regularly. So I had to look further afield. And so I did. And I went to Argentina and found Alexis Gonzalez, who is a 20-year-old from River Plate. So I thought, you know what? He's on loan from River Plate. He's got to be competent-ish. And and that's kind of the player I've got. He's meant to be a striker. I'm pretty certain you know he's not going to start regularly at, at, at number nine because there's a certain other Argentinian who is who's hogging that spot. So he plays as a right winger. And I'll talk about the other player who I've signed who also fits that young player mould. And he is someone who I... I think I like him more than Gonzalez. And it's Luis Capella, or Capella, uh, who I picked up from uh, a Brazilian second division side. I believe it can't be Atletico Mineiro, but it's it's someone like Atletico Mineiro in the second division. Annoyingly, I have the three-letter acronyms in FM that are uh, making impossible to, uh, making it impossible yeah. to know what the actual team is, which is frustrating. However, and if I had any common sense, I would have checked uh, what the club was called. But he is he's a he's a region, but I I just he's such a weird player. It's not a player that I don't have for... Well, he's not a weird player, but he's he's a player that I don't manage a lot on FM and not the kind of player I sign. So I thought, you know what? If I can't get a really quality footballer, let's just get someone rapid. And oh my God, for this level, he is rapid, Tom. He's and physically gifted with it. So... For a right winger, he's meant to be a striker. He's ne- again, he's never going to play striker. He's not going to out. For me, him, he's a right winger, and fourteen acceleration, fifteen agility, fifteen balance, sixteen pace, eleven stamina, fourteen flair, thirteen dribbling, twelve first touch, fourteen technique. He's just absolutely. Those physicals are very good. Physically gifted, but technically gifted. And I just I just thought, you know what? That's a player who, even if he hasn't got a footballing brain on him, and he's got a bit of a footballing brain, and even if he can't score goals, he is just, he's going to do something. And, and that's the kind of player I think I've signed. I've signed a player who might do something in a match. So I was going to say, it sounds like not necessarily a you sort of type of player or really a Renzo type of player, but a fun player. Just one of those wild cards that you can just put in and you know that they're, you know they're going to entertain you and they're really frustrate you or entertain you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in a way he is a Renzo player. And I'll come on to why and, and talk a bit about that um, heading forward. So do you want me to touch on the season so far? 
I was going to say, yeah, because I think I've I've kind of delivered everything I need to um, kind of brought you up to date. So to talk us through where you're at in the season, how it's gone, how have these new signings made an impact? Yeah, so this season for me has been... Uh, it's been an interesting one and I'll talk about it. So first game of the season was a real welcome to, you know, you couldn't expect a more welcome to the top division game and it is a very relevant one because game of the season I hadn't realised it was Colo Colo. Colo Colo. You could have won Colo Colo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, funny you should mention that. Playing the four two three one that got us there, we won three nil. Mini Cooper with 3-0. a brace. Playing the way we played, Mini Cooper with a brace. Lionel Bucker with the first with a free kick on the on the on the stroke of half time. So we got that perfect goal at the right time. Got a goal at half time. And that and then and then my mini keeper took over. Because of course he does. Because the man is the man is phenomenal. He really is just a phenomenal goal scorer. So I'm thinking, right, well if I've, I've I battered Colo Colo. So you know roll on the next game. And and we played in the blends, and I thought, you know, in the blends, you know, they're a relegation candidate. It'll be fine. Play the same system. It'll be great. We lose two one. Of course you do. So then we're up against a team that you know quite fondly, Thomas. We're up against. Hey mambo, oh Dax Italiano. Hey mambo, and we oh, lose. Can, it, can um, I just can I just interrupt you because I've had another song on my head for my team. So yeah. you've got Hey Mambo or Dax Italiano. I keep thinking when I hear them of Oh Dax Italiano, dun 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 Dax Italiano. Anyway, sorry. So you lose you lose to my boys, Oh Dax Italiano. I do. Yeah, I lose one nil. No. And and then we go up against Hucha Piato. For our third game on the trot of losing, and we lose two one. So at this point, oh. I'm I'm thinking, you know, right, okay, I've built up a bit of trust. You know, that I'm okay, but I can't get this team relegated. So <laughs> a bit like you, Thomas, and I'm sure you know what I'm going to do because it had to happen. What did I do to my formation? Well, you've 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 binned it. Oh, don't tell me you've gone to a Christmas tree. No, I haven't. That would be good. That that would have been a good place by me in the episode earlier. No, I'm. I'm I would never. If under pressure, I'm not going to a Christmas tree. A formation. You've that... taken. You've taken. You've taken your ten and you've whacked it in the four or the six, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. I've got. I've reverted to El Rowden Classico, to El Renzo yeah. Classico, and <laughs> I've gone defensive. And I, I, I kind of had a realisation about my squad, which was in the second division, we could play and press quite high. But in the top division, I needed to adapt. And actually, I had the players to do it. My centre-backs aren't that quick, so they could sit deeper. They're better at defending. Vidal is the best example I've ever had of a player whose stats are now absolutely shocking. The man can barely run. 
but like Thiago Silva or John Terry, he can read the game so well. He's the best case in point I've ever seen for for actually there's so much more to FM than just the attributes. And there's so much more to real life football than just the attributes mm-hmm. as to what performances mm-hmm. you can get. So sitting deep with my centre-backs makes sense because they're not as quick as they used to be, but they can still read the game. Same with my right-back. Um, Jaime Soto has lost a bit of pace. Medina hasn't been playing brilliantly this season, so I have relied on Jaime Soto. So having Soto being a solid 32-year-old, you know, Kieran Trippier, not the quickest, but again, reads the game really well. Again, Ponce on the left is losing his physicals. Yoko Oyendel's quite a defensive fullback. I'm playing him on... He's finally clicked recently by playing him on wing-back defend. So it's this is proper stodgy Rembo football. And then I'll come back to Luis Capella and Gonzalez on the right wing. Direct. Renzo ball, we said it. It's direct football. And two bloody rapid right wingers who can stretch the play are exactly what Renzo Ball needs. So I think finally, because you're not going to win the league, or, or there's no point playing this way when you're the best team in the league and you know you are, we're now not the best team in the league. So I get to play some proper counter-attacking, di- and I've got the players to play proper attacking direct Renzo Ball, and it is great. I was going to say this is when your man Capella's going to come into his come into the come into the comes to the four right with this is pace getting people on the break, yeah, and just taking people on, not thinking, stretching the pitch, basically just make some space for my mini Cooper, get the ball in the box, bish bash bosh, and so I so I get to my lowest point, three losses in a row, and then I think right, it's time we're going to adapt, we're gonna we're gonna change things up. And this is where Fermin Antonini, and Fermin Antonini is the upgrade on Teddy, repays my faith. He scores a rocket, an absolute rocket from just in front of the halfway line. And and that's our first goal against uh, against Union Española. And then Mamini chips in with a second five minutes later. So we're tuning up at halftime. They get one back through Vincent Canelli, who I had on loan. Uh, in the second division who didn't do anything for me. But apart from that, we win. So we grind out a win and I'm like, right. Getting the winning ways going again is what exactly what we need. So so we get that going. We lose 2-1 to O'Higgins. Bounce back against Julian La Calera with a grimy 1-0 win. Then lose to Deportes La Serena 1-0 before bouncing back with a 2-0 win with a Mini Cooper goal and a Gary Tello goal. And Gary picked up. He played himself into a bit of form. So I was like, mm, okay. So at this yeah, point, I'm guess. thinking, we're, we're doing all right. You know what? We're doing all right. If, if you'd have said I'm sort of lower mid-table, a couple of places above the... above if, Three, you know, three matches ago, three wins ago, with a couple of losses chucked in there. I'd have I'd have been fine with that. And then and we're coming up to the last two games I've played. So I played the two universidafs back to back. And as you well know, they are good teams. 
both of them are top Chile. Catalica and Chile we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Catalica and Chile. So I'm worried because, well, we beat Deportes Recoleta 2-0, but the, these two are a step up. And I think, you know what? They're going to they're gonna really, really test our metal. And then... My Mini Cooper happens. So, 11 minutes, we go 1-0 up against Universidad Catalica. So they get one back. So 16 minutes. They get one back on 16 minutes. They peg us back quickly. And then it's a really tight, cagey game. Really tense, tactical affair. Until on the 71st minute, my mini Cooper pops up with his second... Nice. And then a mere five minutes later, he pops up with his third. So he's we know he's got the match ball. Yeah. And then Lewis Capella rounds it off to make it 4-1, cutting inside from the right and just smacking one with his right, basically through the keeper. And that's the first thing he's really done. He's done a lot of like hard running, stretching the pitch prior to this, but this is the first real contribution I've had from him. So at this point, I'm ecstatic. Like we're firing. Obviously, end of the game. So it's we've we've done well, and they get another one back on the 88th minute. But we've beaten them four two, and and that's one your first first season up in the top flight, and with the budget and the squad that you've got, which seems good without being great. That is one hell of a result. I'm very happy. My mini Cooper, ten out of ten. Actually got a 10 out of 10 match rating. Gets the match ball. Gets the match ball. Walks away. And I'm proud as punch. Like my boy. My boy just keeps showing up in the big moments. I've built, all right, I've built the entire team around him. But he's warranted building an entire team around in the first place. So it's it's just happy days. So we go up against, and this is the last game I've played. So we're now bang up to date. Universidad de Chile. And I'm thinking, right, it's going to be a tough game. They're underachieving this season, but this is still a top side. They finished fourth last season. They're currently in 12th. And I'm sort of, you know, waiting, playing on comprehensive, you know, get a highlight. My mini scores in 23 seconds. Oh my God, this guy, this guy. He's just, he's just unbelievable. And a, and a game that I think, oh God, it's going to be stressful. Really stressful. Well, it was a bit stressful. They get one back in the 46th minute in, 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 in uh, 45 plus one in the first half. But then he only goes and scores a second in the 45th plus third. So he's got a brace again. Uh, you know, at worst, he's got a brace. And they get another one back in the 52nd through Ricard Paredes. But then Caddy Baroni scores a minute later. So every time they score, we just score another one. And we're playing this counter-attacking football. And Baroni was great in this game. I think he had a couple What's of assists for him a minute. What's happening to Renzo there? This guy must be having heart attacks inside. This is this is not Renzo Rivera ball in the slightest. 
But he's playing. But we're playing on the counter. That's what's great. These sides just mm-hmm. they just take they just invite us. You know, we invite them on to us, and and the attacking players just do the thing. You know, uh, what uh, Caddy Baroni cutting in off the left onto his one of a right. And for me also, I meant to, I, I, I haven't reflected on my notes, but I did write it in my notes. This is the VAR game. For me, this is the VAR game, right? This is the this is the game where I've seen the worst VAR of all time. Luckily, the decisions were right, but the fact that the decisions even went to VAR were ridiculous. So, so Universidad de Chile, before they got their second, had one chalked off. And I kid you not, the player was five to six yards offside and I'm like there's no way that's a goal and they're like it's going to VAR I'm like are you kidding me like are you actually kidding this guy is this guy could have like literally laid on the floor and that was the distance his entire body (laughs) was the distance he was offside if he'd laid down flat but we're taking that to VAR and I had to sweat over it for a good 15 seconds but more importantly, the Caddy Barone goal, he was a good two foot on side and they're taking it to VAR to try and disallow it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Who is paying Who is paying these refs to take these decisions to VAR when they're the most obviously correct decision? Well, I mean, one of them was almost, you know, they almost didn't disallow this goal and he's five yards offside. I was just so... Fr- it was such a stupid game. Anyway... Lionel Booker ends up scoring a another goal to make it 4-2 in extra time. So we end the game winning 4-2 and we've beaten the two universities back-to-back winning 4-2 both times. So that's where we're at. The only sting in the tail is... You turn, you turn them from Universidad de Chile and Universidad de Catalica to Polytech. Cali, Catalica Oy, and Polytech. The boys, absolutely. Absolutely. We've, we've taken them down a rung. But most importantly, Thomas, and I'd had my eye on this for a while, I got Universidad de Chile's manager sacked. And what did Renzo oh. do immediately as that manager got sacked? Oh, do you take Universidad Catalica manager sacked? No, Universidad de Chile. Chile, so that's done with the Owl. That's the Owl club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so he's. Oh my lord. That's gone. This is almost like gladiatorial. He's killed the manager, and now he's going to take. He's going to take the try and take the club. Absolutely, I've applied for that job, and I. I, I don't know if I'm getting an interview. I don't know if I'm gonna get the job a track record suggests i won't but i'm hoping because the resources of universidad de chile are a darn sight bigger than afvs and i i it, it feels like the right move i've got to say tom it feels like the right club. move yeah they've never won the libertadores but they've won the pseudo americana I think there's a challenge there if, if you know, if I'd have to outperform Sampaoli, who did some of his best work with Universidad de Chile. Yeah. But there's definitely a target there, and it's a club I've always wanted to manage, and that's why I have my eye on it. So we shall see. That would be fantastic. What it a way would to take be it. But, but what a way to take the save. But what a, what a cliffhanger to leave the podcast on as well. Oh, absolutely. I just... Too, 
just a couple of things I want to update on. One, you've got a sense of it, but Mamini does have 11 and 11 with two assists. So the boy is a joke. He is a joke. Like, I've never Luke, had a... Yeah. Luke, he might have 11 and 11 with two assists, but there's a bigger question here, which which might might be more pertinent depending on what happens with the University, university of Chile. He's got 11 and 11. Has he got a release clause? He absolutely does, Tom, and I negotiated the contract to make sure he did. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely he absolutely it. does. He has an a million pound release clause of which is he is worth every penny and probably about half a million mil, half a mil more than that. So he 100% is. And don't you worry, when I signed that two-year extension for him... I made sure there was one in there with this, with the Paolo situation firmly in my head because I am very excited of the prospect of him in a different uniform without the dross that he has to play alongside. <laughs> but that being said, despite being insulting about the rest of the the uh, Fernandez VL team, we are. Very similar to you, Tom, which is why I had a wry smile when you talk about where you've ended up with uh, Audax Italiano. We're currently in fifth after 11 games with 18 points, six wins, five losses, plus six on goal difference. We are four points off Hutcher Piato, played a game more in fourth, and eight off Universidad Catalica at the top of the table. And somehow we've managed to get more points against, you know, the top sides than we have against some of the sides at the bottom of the league. So it's been quite the adventure. I'm so excited again for next the next week of FM and the next podcast to talk all about it because so much happens every week. <laughs> you know, so many possibilities that I'm thinking about and I've got my eye on and all of these opportunities that come and go when you're when you are thinking about your managerial career in FM as well as your as well as your team's performance. And that's so, what's great about managing in South America is it it really is carnage. It is I love absolutely. it as much as you do for that reason of there's so much, you know, there's not a lot of stability. You can take your team up pretty rapidly, but they, you know, as, as well, let's say as we've seen, but really as I've seen, they can fall just as quickly too. Absolutely. And I think that's got to be the place where we leave it. And we just want to say thank you again for continuing to listen. It's 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 been unbelievable that we're now edging towards 200 listens over a variety of platforms when we started this you know, not that long ago and not that many episodes ago, we didn't expect to have such a a, a speedy and, and, and an amazing response to it. So thank you for listening. Tom, any final words from you? No, that's it. Just, you know, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Keep telling your, your brother, your sister, your auntie, your uncle, your granny, your granddad, even your pet dog if, if, if they want to listen. Give them, give them some headphones and give a listen to the podcast. Keep sharing it around. Yeah, thank you all so much again. It's been Who Uses a Director of Football Pseudo-Americana Adventure with myself, Lewis, and my co-host, Tom. I didn't even let you say that one. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let you take... You, you, can, you can send us away in the closing credits. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even give you a chance. Anyway, have a great end to your weekend all, and catch you next time. All the best. Bye for now.